Welcome everyone to Venture's first podcast. Venture's group is a deep tech conglomerate. Our mission is to make cities smart. We invest in and form strategic partnerships with smart city tech companies in China to make cities more livable, sustainable and productive. In this podcast, Benson Tam, our chairman and founding partner, will talk about how China transforms tech through regulation or lack thereof. Benson is a first round investor in Alibaba and still all in after 20 years. He has been doing private equity for over 28 years, of which the last 18 years out of Beijing. His achievements include co-founding Fidelity Asia Ventures, as well as Hellman and Friedman Private Equity Asia. Good afternoon, good morning, you know, good evening, whatever. I see people from everywhere. I see people from the Middle East, from Europe, from uh, everywhere. Well, today we have an excellent, excellent topic. Like I said, regulation, technology regulation is, as I was saying, probably one of the best kept secret about China. The reason is that uh, in all my years doing uh, venture capital, private equity, you know, I've done a lot of panels and and it's always somebody who would say, is there real innovation in China? And so, and actually I always say innovation, you can't talk about it without regulation. And innovation and regulation are both very, very misunderstood in China. And regulation, of course, you know, the reason why we picked this is that this whole end IPO saga, and I'm sure you all dialed up because of that as well. Well, um, and naturally the whole thing in a sense uh, put right in center stage, the fact that there are these uh, regulators behind the scene, the hidden hands, shall we speak, shall we say, um, and like I said, what I'm going to tell you today is that uh, all the way that they regulate or not, as the case, I will say to you, how they regulate and not regulate both actually really help on China's technology success. And um, I guess what I'm trying to say to you is that while the end IPO seemed to to create an aura that there is a lot of chaos behind the scene, there is, um, you know, create a lot of uncertainty and therefore make your investment very difficult. It's actually not so. And so today we will tell you why I certainly see clearly that there is order out of chaos and that if you can understand that, you are definitely a step ahead of everybody else. So, um, well, let me just put it in three segments. The first is, I'll just say roughly what questions we're going to cover today. The second segment is, I actually tell you the examples of regulators uh, in the last 20 years. So we will give you the examples later on. And then thirdly, um, is basically I will go deep into the regulatory process itself. Okay, so three things. So first of all, the questions we cover today. So first of all, how do we read them? How do we read the regulators? Um, is, there, is there some sort of ways that we can do it? That's the first thing I'll, I'll try to tell you about. The second one I'll tell you is that, what is their playbook? There is a playbook and we see it all the time. Every single time it's the same. 
okay? So there is almost like a playbook to it. And the third thing that hopefully when I talk to you about today is how do you understand them in order for you to invest better, okay? So with those three questions in context, I'll first give you the examples that we have seen the regulators in the past, I would say 20 years, okay? Now, the reason I go back to the past is that a lot of people look at end and they try to figure out the regulatory process and try to read the tea leaves. Uh, unfortunately, you can't do that because every situation is different. So instead, uh, what is happening in end is really a new industry is giving being being born and therefore this shall we say almost like industrial revolution how do the regulators deal with that and i actually believe that the best way is to go back in history and say how did they do it back then so the three examples i'll give you today first of all is number one the very first big industry that got deregulated was telecom in the mid 90s. Um, that was, people forgot, you know, with all the internet and everything else, that there was a time not too far in the past where if you want a phone in your home, you need to get a license from the post office and you probably have to wait for three, four months. Uh, Marcus, you've been in China a long time, you understand that. So that telecom deregulation happened around mid-90s and then start to come up with the internet and they basically deregulated telecoms to be where it is. So from what used to be entirely state-owned enterprise, within about, I would say, 10 years, so, you know, 95 to 05, from, from the entire thing, 100% controlled by state-owned enterprise, it became entirely deregulated with a very, shall we say, mature and, and, and uh, thriving internet sector by the time of 2005. And 2005 is also a very important year because that was the big year when Baidu appeared in the US eyesight in the uh, NASDAQ. And that was when Silicon Valley woke up and realize that the internet sector is alive and kicking in China. So 95 to 205 in telecom, um, what happened there was basically, they said, okay, number one, in preparation of that, we will turn one monopoly into three or four so that you don't have one monopoly. You actually have a, a number of, shall we say, um, self-regulating um, oligopoly. That's usually always what happens first. Then they'll start to experiment and say, okay, um, the pioneers who are actually out there doing the telecom stuff, which back then was people like Huawei. Huawei was very early. Uh, Asia Info, Asia Info was very early. And uh, some of the other companies, uh, like uh, in those days, it was what we call the uh, internet service providers. These never survived, of course. So today you don't hear about them. But um, so there is almost like a playbook where, first of all, they create several big juggernauts. The big juggernauts basically covers and builds the, the infrastructure. And then they start to open the door a little bit and let these pioneers come in. 
Now, um, the pioneers come in and that's where it's really interesting. And this is a statement that I would make all the time throughout my, my talk about regulation, which is the way that the regulators in the very early days of a new industry appearing, the way that they regulate is not to regulate. And the reason why they say that is that you can imagine 96, 97, regulator will be scratching their head as to what the heck is internet you know what does it look like who will be the key players what is important what do we regulate what even do we know about it nothing okay nothing if you then fast forward to today and look at you know bitcoin and uh, libra and everything else and meanwhile you know um in the us there's so much debate at the uh, at the regulatory level and and basically in a sense facebook have to stop everything and wait you know meanwhile the regulators are just spinning and they will spin for a very very long time because how on earth do you regulate the unknown impossible okay so so that's why in the in the era of china that's why i say to people is that they regulate by not regulating but you say wait a minute how can that be? That's impossible. Yes and no. So, for example, um, we were in Asia Info. Uh, we also saw Sina, which was the first, shall we say, uh, newspaper media that was deregulated um, and allowed to, uh, to provide news. And so what they said is that, you know what? We do not know how to regulate this. We will let you do it. Uh, meanwhile, again, just like the uh, state-owned enterprise, they will make sure that there is something like five to ten, usually, of pioneer players. And they just open the gate and say, almost just like, you know, 40 years ago, they said, okay, here is Shenzhen, so go play and tell us what works and what doesn't. Whatever works, we'll keep. Whatever, whatever doesn't, we'll shut down and just do that. So in the case of telecom, by about 97, 98, um, so they started allowing these websites to carry news, which was revolutionary to the nth degree in China. Now, um, and at the same time, people who are delivering on the hardware, the Asia Info and all that, so likewise, they allow them to do it. There's no regulation. You don't need a license. You don't need to do anything. What you do need is that you need to, in a sense, keep the regulators aware. So typically they would have to go visit them at least once a month. They'll have a conversation, they talk about the market, and meanwhile, the regulators will learn. The regulators will also say, well, well, we hear that there's a lot of complaints on that, what are you gonna do about it, you know? Meanwhile, the pioneers will also say that um, well, I don't think it's a problem. And then um, this will continue. And of course, you can imagine, you know, uh, in, in today's speak, we call that the sandbox, meaning that you can play in the sandbox. And as long as you never go across the, the red line, you're okay. So that was how um, the Chinese regulator regulated, which is to say, um, we have no idea what is happening. You just go in and play. And so that was the telecom in the mid 
1990s. And the fascinating thing is that the same thing happened in healthcare in the mid 2000s, 10 years later. And then 10 years later, in the mid 2010, FinTech as an industry deregulated. Guess what? Every single time, it was the same playbook. Every single time, it was the same methodology. And every single time, it was just what I was uh, starting to tell you, which is how do they regulate? So there is a pattern. And I guess um, in the case of Ant, it was very, very surprising. It caught me by surprise as well. But on the other hand, um, this, this forever, shall we say, iterative, sometimes pull back, sometimes go forward, um, chaos is part of the journey, part of the journey. Um, as you give birth to a revolutionary uh, new industry. So, so in all three cases, um, all three are mega, mega industries, and we saw the same playbook. Uh, in the case of my previous employer, Fidelity, actually, we basically followed the, these big market deregulation. So that's why we started doing internet investment to follow the telecom deregulation. We built the healthcare team to follow that one. And then sort of, I then left, of course, and then for us, we are looking at FinTech. Again, trying to look at that playbook and look at that wave and try to capture that, that methodology, okay? So going back to the regulation, how does that work? So, and this is very fascinating because if you then compare and contrast with how you would do in an advanced economy, is that imagine you're trying to do FinTech infra, you know, you know, I have a lot of friends here in, in Hong Kong. You try to do new fintech in Hong Kong. The first thing that will happen is that the regulator will knock on your door. Not, not naughty boy. No license. No license. Don't do nothing. Sit there. Sit in the penalty corner. Don't do anything. While we figure out what to do. The problem is they are not businessmen. They are not visionary. They are not technologists. For them to try to find out what the heck is happening is impossible. Okay. So you will find these advanced economy, whether it's Hong Kong or London or wherever, they will spin their wheels for years, a lot of times. Meanwhile, uh, in China, what happened is that, okay, they say, okay, go play. Um, as long as you don't completely create a big mess, we'll let you do it. So this is what I call the three step forward, one step back, which is that. Um, and also, this is also where, let's say having 10 or 20 competitors all going together is helping, helping the regulator. Um, and I'll give you another very interesting quote. Um, and I said this to my, uh, my daughter when she was younger. I said, please go and have many, many boyfriends. Because if you have 10 boyfriends, the other nine will tell you how that one bad egg is cheating you, okay? So it's the same. The regulator rely on all these um, uh, competitors to self-regulate. They will definitely complain if somebody does something that is really out of out of ballpark. The customers will complain as you do. Customers will complain. So it's all in a sense in an experimental phase. And as you do, you find that these 
shall we say, almost like, oh, in this particular case, you shouldn't do this. Oh, on privacy, that is how you said it. And guess what? This is how common law was built in the UK back then. Because you can't have somebody try to write the entire constitutional law, the entire commercial code from day one, because it's impossible to think of all the eventualities. So guess what? The, uh, the legal system has a very smart way, which is common law. Every single law court decides on a small decision and that keeps going on and on. And in a sense, that is where how China regulates as well, except that, of course, you know, they, uh, they didn't intentionally did it. But instead, what they said was, um, we don't know how to do it. And meanwhile, since you guys know how to do it, why don't you do it and you tell me how to do it? Now, that's the first phase. Now, once you do that, usually it goes on for about, let's say, two years or so, or perhaps until the first big scandal comes, like in P2P or whatever. And then suddenly the, uh, the regulator will say, whoops, okay, clearly we've got to a stage where we need some regulation. Now, in the West, what would happen in the advanced economies, what the regulator would say is that, wait a minute, we'll try to figure it out and we're going to write this. In China, that's not how it works. In China, the regulator would tell the 10, by that time, leaders, you know, you may have a lot of people playing in the market, but there's clearly a few leaders. And because they talk to them all the time, they start to know who are the good boys, who are the ones who are really seriously building the market. They would tell them and say, well, we need some re new regulation. Can you each write one set of regulation for me? So the players actually write it. But because you have 10 sets, of course, everybody is going to write it in that is favorable to themselves. But because you have 10 sets, the regulator will almost like a teacher looking at all the sort of research paper, well, like a professor reading all the, the, the papers from the, um, the PhD students. And then they'll start to understand it and pick the right parts and they'll pick the right parts. And before you know it, a, uh, a new consensus comes out, which is a little bit of a hodgepodge but nevertheless, something that is very practical, very proven, and shall we say, with a lot of, shall we say, uh, sparring between the competitors and the regulators. And that's how the first set of regulation will come out. And the first set of regulation is not the final one. Just like software, that first version is version 1.0. So they will come out, usually they'll call it, this is for discussion. Um, and they will throw it out to the market. And usually it will be, in a sense, uh, battle hardened and market tested for at least a year before they create versions that we say 1.1 or 1.2 on the basis of that, or sometimes. Um, and, and, and that was not then to settle down. And after that is settled down, um they would then also narrow the competitors so that okay um clearly out of 10 there were three or four who really were helpful on the regulatory side really have the uh are very ethical players in the market and therefore they would start to almost say that these few are uh, 
first among equals. And then sort of, so in a sense, you start to have a second layer in the uh, in the market. But of course, you know, when you have a few who are ahead of the game and a few who are behind the game, what would happen, of course, is that the one behind the game will try extra hard to be compliant and also to be successful and also to innovate and evolve. You must understand it is that with this method, it supercharges the evolution of each industry because the regulator no longer is, shall we say, the red light and the uh, gating issue or the bottleneck in the entire innovation process. And, um, and you can see why it's fast forwarding a lot of it. And case in point, you know, just picking the most recent one, Alipay, Tencent Pay, if we take that, which is the latest uh, regulatory uh, deregulation, um, when they first came out in the uh, uh, almost 10 years ago, literally there were no license. Um, I also invested in the payment company and I used to, I used to have to explain to my board why we have no license. Financial services, you have no license, are you kidding me? Aren't you illegal? I said, no, we're not illegal. We are beyond, we are before legal and illegal. And we are de facto licensed, meaning that we have the, uh, the regulators who fully, fully endorse us and we keep them up to speed and we keep talking and they adjust, we adjust, they adjust, we adjust. So, so that was how Alipay and Tencent came out. And initially, likewise, um, that's why you find if people remember, they created this money market fund and within a few months, it became the world's biggest market money market fund. And then the regulator got nervous because clearly the beast was let out of the, uh, the cage and there was still a lot of stuff that needs to be uh, needs to be fixed so that's why they in a sense pull them back um, in a sense make sure that things are, are, are more shall we say stable and then try it again so that's how it works and um, in a sense if you see that in the context of anti-PO that's hardly what is happening there and uh, of course I'm not saying that this is not a surprise this is a huge surprise for everyone but on the other hand, this is how the regulators and the companies form this almost symbiotic relationship that at the same time uh, iterate and evolve the market in a very rapid style. And this is what is happening. And um, FinTech remains, in my mind, the biggest opportunity in the next five years. And, um, and to me, this is three steps forward, one step back. No doubt, and we'll have to do a lot of uh, uh, self-reflection and adjustment and all that. But um, I think um, this is all part of the game. That brings our very first podcast to an end. We hope you enjoyed it and thanks for listening.